Good morning, church family. You guys doing all right? Okay. Four of you. Come on, you guys thankful to be in God's house this morning and hear his word, worship together? It's good to see you. I know, hey, it's a, it's a three-day weekend for Cabot. It was raining and the hogs lost. And you're still in church, so come on. We got the real, church, the real Christians up in the house this morning, so it's good to see you. As Ricky mentioned, we are continuing the series, The Arkansas God Sees, The Church That God Sees. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to talk to you about the subject of money, specifically tithing. Okay, now that's not always an easy subject to talk about in church. So I need you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell him to chill out. Just tell him to settle down and chill out right now. But I am going to speak on this subject because the Word of God is very bold on it. Uh, I'm going to speak on it unapologetically because I, I know that this is a part of loving you as a pastor. This is a part of communicating God's love and His heart for you. I do know that when you communicate about the subject of money, specifically the tithe around church, that there could be a tendency for some of us to feel some guilt and condemnation. And those things are not from God. I know that there's a lot of different subjects at any given point that we communicate about, depending on your history, depending on your story and your testimony, you may feel a little condemned. It might be around the subject of relationships. Maybe it's around a a specific sin that maybe you struggle with or continue to struggle with. And I know that that can be the case when it comes to the subject of finances and money, because maybe you have felt condemned before in church. Maybe you felt like you weren't worthy or that you couldn't add up because of a message that was given that made you felt condemnation. And I want you to know that we are not here to condemn you. And no matter what you've experienced in the past, we don't want you to look back. We want you to look forward. And I do know this, though, that if you're in the place where you feel condemned around any subject, but maybe you feel condemned even now, just hearing this is what we're talking about. That is not the heart of God. And I, and I know that sometimes when we stay in that place where we feel condemned, we miss out on what God is trying to encourage us with, what he's trying to speak into us. And so that's what I want for you. I believe that this can be an incredibly encouraging word for you as individuals. I know it is for us as a church. When we started New Life Church, there was a few different areas that we wanted to aim at as a church. There were some areas that we knew that people had left church or were leaving church or would never go to church because of a few different areas around church. Things like the worship music that they didn't care for it or the message was not relevant or it wasn't a place that their kids wanted to go. Things like that. But one of the big areas was that people said they didn't like church because the church just wants their money. And as a church, it's been so important for, for us from the very beginning that we have integrity around every area That this is a place that is safe for your kids. It is a place where you can experience his presence and his anointing and his power in worship and in the word. And that this is a safe place around the area of finances. And I'm thankful that we have strong church government with incredible trustees that keep us in alignment with what we know that God has asked us to do. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church and to work at a church where I have not one day ever questioned the integrity of how we spend our money, where it's going to. I love that our financial records are readily available to whoever wants those because we have nothing to hide. We want people to see that we're being faithful with what God has given us and what God is asking us to do. I love that. 
But what we've learned over the years is no matter how much we try to have integrity as staff, as pastors, no matter how much we try to be faithful with the things that God has given us, at the end of the day, it's also part of your responsibility. We all have to carry this together. All of us have to be faithful with our integrity around the community, around the people that we're a witness to in our day-to-day lives. Kind of a lighthearted example of this, you'll see around this morning, we have some of the, the car decals that are, are sitting out here. And every time we give out those stickers, man, I got to pray because this is a risky thing for us to do. Like for to give these out, you guys could put these on your cars and we know at one point or another, especially if you ever have to drive to Little Rock at any point during your day, there's a really good chance you're going to lose some Jesus. And you may experience a little bit of something else in the meantime. And we know that that, that that can happen. But the bottom line is this. That's kind of a little representation of what we want to see. We want everybody to own the vision of this church. We want you to proudly put it on your car and not only to hopefully keep you accountable with how you drive, but also just so people can see, man, I see those stickers everywhere. And what is it about? It's about Arkansas. It's about something that's bigger than us. I was growing up in this, one of the churches I grew up in. I remember being around a conversation one time where these ladies were asking the pastor's wife, hey, why is it you never put a church sticker on the back of your car? Like, pastor has one on his car and you don't have one on your car. Like, why is that? She's like, it's a simple explanation. They had a special needs son. Uh, that usually had to stay home during the day, didn't go to school. He had, he had a little bit of a different schedule. She said one day she was driving through town, and, and every time that she'd come up to a stoplight or sometimes just out on the highway, when people would pass by her, they were just mean-mugging her, giving her this nasty look, just like, and this is like one of the sweetest ladies you ever met. And so she was trying to figure out, like, what in the world is, why is, it seems like everybody's really angry today. Like, why is everybody mad at me? Well, eventually she looked in the rearview mirror, and she saw her, her special needs son sitting back there and every car that drove by, he's giving them double birds, just like, ah, you know? And then she realized she can never put a church sticker on her car. There's just no way that she could do that. Well, I think it's important that we understand what we represent. I think it's important that we understand we're representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's asking us to be faithful And to be good stewards of souls, families, marriages, youth, the people in our city and community. But I think all of us have to be really gut level honest if we are truly being faithful in the big ways and the small ways around our lives. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 says, you cannot serve both God and money. Now this is so interesting to me. That he put those two things together. God and money. Did you notice he doesn't doesn't say you can't serve both God and your family. Or both God and your career. Or both God and your hobbies. Or both God and sex. It says God and money. Why did he choose that one? I think it's because God knew That mankind would struggle the most in their commitment towards him around their money. 
around finances. A lot of Matthew chapter 6 deals with this subject. Just a few verses earlier in verse 21 it says, For where your treasure is, your money, your investments, everything that you have, where it is, there your heart will be also. This is interesting because a lot of times we think, man, I'll give where my heart is. What this is saying is, well, wherever your money is, your heart will actually follow that. So some of you think, well, I don't know. Maybe I have a heart for missions. I promise you this. If you give towards missions, you're going to have a heart for missions. Some of you are wondering if I have a heart for the poor or for Dream Center. I promise you this. If you give towards the Dream Center, your heart will be invested with the Dream Center. An example of this. Maybe some of you have invested in the stock market before. Some of you, you could care less. But if you're not invested in the stock market, you're not following anything about it. I guarantee you this, though. If you go out and buy a few stocks in the stock market, the first thing you're going to do every morning, you're going to check on it. You're going to be seeing, how's that doing? Where is that at? Constantly checking on it. Because once you're invested in something, your care, your concern, and your commitment will be there as well. Is God getting your commitment and your heart with everything that you have? Well, I want to give you what I would call a lordship test. A lordship test. And I don't think we've ever phrased it quite like this before. But this is a lordship test because the issue of of tithing and our offering, those types of things, it's ultimately a lordship issue. It's, is God really my Lord? Is he really in control of, of everything in my life? And so here's a lordship test. And I'm going to put a couple of phrases up on the screen, uh, one at a time. And, and these phrases are not true. These phrases are not true. But if they were true, which one of them brings more anxiety into your life? And the first phrase is this. There is no God. There is no God. That is not true. Don't take a picture of me with that in the background and post it on social media. This is not true. But let's just say, if this was true, what does that do in you? There is no God. There is no Jesus, Holy Spirit, angels, demons, heaven, hell. It was all made up. It's all false. None of that exists. What does that do in you? Well, here's the second phrase. You have no money. No money. While you've been sitting here, every account is gone, empty. Every investment is gone. Every asset that you have, your house, your car, everything, gone. You have no job. You have no money. Some of you are like, I feel that way right now. Like, I feel like I have no money. I'm raising kids. I always feel like I have no money. But it's literally completely gone. You have nothing. How much anxiety does that put inside of you? Now, some of you, you may be feeling really good about your answer. And some of you are trying to get your heart rate to lower. But I think that is a great example of how our hearts and our desires are tied around our money. How we're trusting God. Here's another filter. There's a story of a man that he went to the doctor And he was getting some tests done. He wasn't sure that there was really anything going on. Um, But he left. And a couple of weeks later, 
the doctor called him up. He says, I have some results from some of the testing we did. I have some good news and I have some bad news. The guy said, man, okay, well, what's the good news? The doctor said, the good news is you've got a week to live. How in the world is that good? Uh, That's the good news? What's the bad news? The bad news is I meant to call you six days ago and forgot. (laughs) So here's another measurement. If you went to the doctor and he came back to you and told you, you have just a few days to live, I don't think you'd be thinking about your money. I think you'd be thinking about your God. I think you'd be thinking about relationships. I think you'd be thinking about the people that you need to get right with, that you need to apologize to, that you need to thank. You'd be thinking about unfinished business in your life. But you wouldn't be just, oh man, oh, what am I going to do with all my stuff? The money. Well, I think that that's an indicator. But here's the thing. We know that life is fragile, right? Like we... This is a hypothetical situation, but it could be a real situation. And if we know that life is that fragile, why don't we live with Jesus in the center of all of it anyway? Why are we trusting him regardless? I want to say that I'm thankful if you're visiting today. To all the visitors, thank you for being here. I want you to know this subject has been so distorted around church And with pastors to the point where it's been perverted, I think. But I want you to know that today we're going to teach you the truth. And it's the truth according to the word of God. And I believe that this could be your favorite talk on money that you've ever heard. And it's coming straight out of the word of God. Because money, man, money though can be a sensitive subject. Like in some, in some ways, like I'd rather talk to y'all about dieting and weight gain than talk about money and talk about tithing. Like that would be less awkward, but really it shouldn't be because it's about much more than just the money. I know that my job as a, as a pastor is never to tell you what to do. You have the Holy Spirit for that. You have the Holy Spirit for that. You don't need a Holy James. Because let's face it, there ain't no such thing as a Holy James. But I know that he will speak to you. But my job is to show you why this is important to God according to his word. So here's what it says in the scripture. Malachi chapter 3. I the Lord God do not change. Return to me and I will return to you. There's a promise in that says the Lord Almighty. But you ask how will we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse because you are robbing me. But then he gives grace. He gives solutions. The solution, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. How many of y'all want some of that in your life? I know I do. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you, for yours will be a delightful land. 
This is the heart and the vision behind the church that God sees, the Arkansas that God sees, that we could be as a church a testimony of God's goodness, his greatness, by him moving supernaturally in us and through us. We are not a prosperity preaching church. The prosperity gospel is a false gospel, and it really messes people up. Uh, And in traveling the world, it really messes up places in other parts of the world. We're not a prosperity gospel, but we're also not a poverty gospel. We don't teach that you're just supposed to be poor. We are a provision gospel church. We believe that when we trust God, he will provide everything that we need and even more. A couple things about the tithe. First of all, the tithe is not about money. It's about love. And some of you are like, no, James, it's completely about money. It's all about money. But I think you'll see very clearly that that's not God's heart. It's not about money. It's about your love for him. Because God doesn't want your money. But what God does want, he wants rank. He wants rank. In other words, he wants to be ranked number one in your life. God doesn't want your money, but he wants all of your heart. He's a jealous God, man. He wants all of your heart. He knows how closely tied our money can be to our hearts. And sometimes we break his heart. Sometimes we don't realize it. I had a young man tell me one time, man, it'd be great if in love there, there was like a stop, a stoplight. Like if there could be a stoplight, because this guy, he's, he's kind of awkward and trying to negotiate this relationship with this girl. And he's just like, so it would be really great if it was like green means go, yellow means caution, slow down, and red means no more. Like it would be awesome if that happened in relationships. And I knew at that point this guy would never have a girlfriend. Like, it was clear to me. Like, but I get that. It'd be great if we just knew when it came to relationship what we're supposed to do. And what, what are the signals that we read? There is a signal when it comes to God. Our money signals our passion for him. Very clearly. The problem is there's so many things that we can say that we love. There's so many things that we could attach that word to, right? We can, we, it's very easy to throw it around. There's a lot of things I love. I love fall. How many of y'all love the fall? Come on, favorite season of all, best season of all. Steady some foliage, you know, it's really interesting stuff. Okay, how many of you guys like winter? Okay, a couple weird people. Uh, how many of you guys like spring? Spring? Okay, how many of you guys love the summer? Okay, we want to pray for you. We're going to have an altar call right now. I want you guys to come down here to the front because... I don't, you guys are like my wife though. Middle of August. She's like, it just feels so great. I'm like, we are getting you back in counseling. You clearly have some psychological issues going on right now. Let me phrase it this way. How many of you would rather be hot trying to get cool? How many of you would rather be cold trying to get warm? Okay, these are the real Christians. So everybody that raised their hand before, y'all need to talk to these people. They can help you with a lot of wisdom in your life. I promise you that. 
Things that I love. I love dark chocolate raspberry ice cream from Private Selects, okay? It's the best ice cream. You guys need to check it out. I should get some marketing money kickback for that. But And raspberry pie. You put those two things together, it will be heaven on your taste buds. They will thank you for eternity. Uh, I love the smell of burnt gunpowder. Come on. How many of y'all love that smell? I love that smell. Okay? No women at all. I'm just telling you, you're missing out. It's a great smell. I, I, I love NBA basketball. Some of you guys could care less, but here's the deal. The hogs keep looking the way they're looking. You're going to look for other things to watch. You may want to check it out. Uh, I, love watch, I love Broncos football. I'm born and raised in Colorado, been a diehard fan forever. Uh, I love golf. I love cats. <laughs> I'm just making sure y'all are paying attention, okay? Because y'all know that is a lie from the pit of hell. But you know what I love? I love being in church. I love going to church. My family, my kids love to go to church. I love seeing people dedicate their children to the Lord. I love seeing people get water baptized. I love that. That's one of my favorite things. I love it when people meet their spouses in church. I love when watching children worship God. And if you feel like you've lost your innocence, you've gotten a little callous towards the heart of God, all you need to do is watch a kid worship him. And it'll bring you back to what really matters. It's amazing. I love the youth in our church. I love all the young couples. I love all the young adults. I love every person in our church with gray hair. I love gray hair people in our church. Come on, let's give it up for the people that have experience, that are teaching us. Because here's the deal. We all going to be there at some point or another. So we need to take care of these people. But I'm serious. And here's the deal. The older crowd at our church have more energy. And they could serve circles around anybody in here. They just love the Lord. They're passionate about it. And I'm so thankful that we have them to look up to. I love you. I love the kingdom of God. I love Cabot, Arkansas. It's a supernatural love. (laughs) But it's real. Not because of the city. Certainly not because of the infrastructure. <laughs> y'all know, y'all could lose some, something over that. It's because I see souls. I drive by our high school, I don't see buildings. I see destiny. I see potential. I see an amazing generation that, man, if we can get their hearts... They will storm the gates of hell for the kingdom of God. And I love us church, and I've loved this church through all the seasons. Because some people may say, well, it's easy for you to love church. Your church is growing, and it's big. And, but I've been a part of New Life Church for 13 years. There's been some really embarrassing seasons we've had to live through. Ficus trees, and overhead projectors, and... I loved this church when I had 10 people in my youth group as much as I love having hundreds of students in our youth group. I just love the body of Christ. 
Why do you think God puts tithing in the Bible? You think that like heaven is running short on money? Like, oh man, we're just, Lord, we're really over budget on Jesus' throne. And uh, we're going to have to figure out some new revenue on this. And, and by the way, we're trying to get those streets the way you want them. But paving in gold has gotten a little pricey. And it's taken us a while. We're laughing because it sounds so ridiculous. Because it is ridiculous. Heaven doesn't need our money. But heaven wants our heart. So people ask me, all, but people ask me this. Hey, can I be a Christian and not tithe? Yes. But the next question is, why would you want to? Why would you want to? Because you can also be married and not make out, but you're stupid. (laughs) Come on, fellas, I'm trying to help you out right now. Because giving to God is, is one of the most intimate things you do in relationship with him. It has the most return on your relationship with him. So I don't know why you would want to do that. I think there's some important points to remember about God. He's smarter than you. I think it's really important you get to a point in your life when you can just admit he's going to see life wiser than you. He sees it. Another thing about God is he loves you more than you love yourself. Now, some of you try to give him some really good competition on that. But even as good as you think you are loving yourself, he is going to be infinitely better at loving you. The other thing about God is any time he asks you to do something, it's always ultimately for your good. It's for your good. I think those are important things to remember. Another thing about the tithe, it's clearly a test. It's a test. Going back to Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There might be food on my, in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. That's the only place in the Bible that says that. Test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Test him. But here's the thing. You need to know this. The floodgates of God's blessing, when those things open up, it's not just over your money. It's over every area of your life. It's over your dreams. It's over the vision for your family. It's over your career. It's over your joy. It's over your peace. It's over every area of your life. God wants to open it over everything. And some might try to bring up, well, here's the thing. The tithe is only mentioned in the Old Testament. It's only mentioned in the Old Testament. Some of y'all are hearing that for the first time. You're like, what? I didn't know that. There's a loophole in this thing. This is awesome. Hold on. A lot of people like to bring up that argument. It only, only talks about the tithe in the Old Testament. I like It would be really, really nice if Jesus just would have said, man, you should tithe. Yes. You should tithe. Like that way we could just put the whole debate to bed. If Jesus says it, it's like a really good idea, right? If Jesus would have said, you should tithe, yes. Guess what? He did. In Matthew 23, 23, it says this. This is talking to a religious spirit that's doing the acts of giving a tithe, but not giving the heart. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. 
For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the much more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. The very next words, this is Jesus speaking, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things, which brings up another really good point. This is so much not about your money, but about your heart. And some of you have been tithing religiously, but not relationally. God wants relationship, but he clearly tells us that this is something that he wants us to do. The tithe means returning the increase back to God, the 10% increase back to God. And that there's not ambiguity in that. It's any increase in your life. It's your income, bonuses, your salary, uh, just unexpected income. It's the first 10%. The first 10% is, it's called holy. In the Bible, it's called holy. Why? Because it's sacred. It's set apart. It's you and faith trusting that if you will do that first, that you don't have to worry about what happens with the rest of it. And I get how hard this is. When I was in Bible school, I was broke. I was so broke because I gave up all my scholarships to go pursue a liberal arts degree to go to Bible school because God had called me in a full-time ministry. And so I got there. I had no money at all, like a typical college student, but like even worse. And I remember one day this man came up to me and he said, I felt like the Lord told me that to give you $100 a month. And it was like the, the Bambi lights, beam of light that came down on my head. Doves were flying around me like angels were singing I'm like this is the most amazing thing ever because I had nothing this guy gave this hundred dollars to me man and at first I was just like this God thank you so much thank you God who's the person you first person you think when you get a bonus isn't that interesting I don't know about you I always thank God and then he got me he's like absolutely don't forget to tithe And at first I started rebuking Satan, like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm broke. I got to live. This is my gas, my food. This is the only way I'm going to survive months and months is on this hundred dollars. And then I, but I knew for sure it was God telling me, yeah, but this it's holy and it's faith. I'm, I'm giving this is all from me. You just thanked me for it. You just thanked me for it. So I'm just as a demonstration of intimacy and relationship, don't forget to tithe. I'm still arguing, God, do you know how many packets of ramen noodles you can buy with $10? Like, oh my goodness. And I, and I will admit that the first time I tithed, out of that $100, man, that offering plate was coming by and I was like, send it on. Which, by the way, is not also what God is asking for. He doesn't want us to give out of that kind of a heart. So I had to get convicted about that too. I'm sure it helps you guys to know how jacked up your pastor is. But eventually, like, but then it got fun. It got fun. You're like, how in the world could it get fun? I trusted God with the tithe. And there were months when I would come down like the last few days of the month before I, 
That guy, I knew he was going to come around. He was faithful, man. He was on the day like he was there. But it gets to the last few days and I have like $2 left. But then somebody buy me a meal. Somebody put some gas in my car. So then it was like a game to me. Like between me and God, I was like, God, oh, what you going to do this much to hook a brother up? <laughs> it was exciting. And I'll tell you, you talk about my faith growing. I didn't depend on the hundred dollars. I depended on God. And I had joy and peace in the midst of it. It's interesting to me as Christians, the things that we will thank God for or say that we trust God for, but so often our actions don't line up with what we say we're thankful for or trust God for. Like it's interesting to me that as believers, so many of us, majority of us, maybe some of you aren't at this place yet, but the majority of us are sitting here with faith and trust in God for millions of years in heaven. Millions and millions of years. Like we're, we're sitting here. We're not even questioning that right now. Like we just, God, we trust you for that. We trust you that we're going to be in heaven. We've accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. We're going to spend eternity in heaven for millions and millions and millions, infinite amount of time. And how we can trust God for that. But we have a difficult time trusting him for today. Like right now. Today, okay, we know that you've created the spans of the universe. You hold everything in the palm of your hands. But Lord, I just, this is just not adding up on paper. I think you missed it on this one. I think you're wrong on this one. But thank you for heaven. Millions of years there. Streets of gold. I know there's some sarcasm in my tone, but... It is interesting to me that I do that too. Get worried and anxious. Another thing about the tithe, you can't give the tithe. You can't give the tithe. Verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe. Bring it. You can't give it. It says to bring it. Why? Because it's not yours to give. All you can do is bring it back. An example of this. How many of y'all like talking some trash when you're playing sports? Anybody like some trash talking? Little little trash talking? Okay, I'm not great at a lot of different sports. I moved around a lot, but I, I played some basketball, okay? And so I, I, and I'm not like an incredible basketball player, but I love playing post. I love playing under the basket. I love playing down there. I love bumping guys. I love all that. And my favorite thing is I love it when a young buck, young man, comes around me likes to talk a lot of trash, you know. You guys seen that t-shirt, Beware of a Pastor with a Basketball? I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, but I love it when they start talking like that, like, oh, man, come on. Oh, careful, man, you're going to break a bone or something. So they can say whatever they want to say. All I got to say is this. Bring it, big boy. Bring it. But once you know you bring it down underneath the basket, I play 90s basketball, Okay. <laughs> I play Jordan basketball. We ain't soft, okay? I'm going to put some elbows on you, okay? I'm going to be throwing my hips around what little there are. They are bony and they will hurt you. But bring it. Just bring it. And I think that that's what God says. Man, I hear you saying you're thankful. I hear you saying that you're going to be faithful. Bring it. 
Just bring it. Show me something. It'd be like if I had to go out of town for a couple of months for whatever reason. And before I left, I went to Ricky and I said, hey, Ricky, I want to let you borrow my car while I'm gone. I'll let you borrow my car while I'm gone. Okay? You know? Enjoy it. You know, just, just take care of it. Don't wreck it. But, but I'm going to let you borrow my car while I'm gone. Okay, so a couple months go by and Ricky comes to pick me up at the airport. He's driving my car and he comes and picks me up and I get in. You know, we're driving down the road and he says, James, I just, thanks, thanks for the car. Thank you. I want you to know that I've been praying about this, just seeking the Lord. And I feel like the Lord has led me to give you this car. I'm going to say, you've been smoking crack, big boy, because this ain't your car to give to me. Like you've been eating Colorado brownies because you high. You can't give me my car. All you can do is return it to me. And by the way, if you want me to let you have other things, borrow other things, when you return my car, you should fill the tank up with some gas. And you should clean it. You know, I don't don't want to find your food and fries up in my car. Clean it. I think God's saying the same thing. Be a good steward. Take care of what I have given you. I'll let you have some more. I'll let you borrow even more. I'll trust you to steward even more. If you bring it. So practically speaking, how do you bring the tithe at NLC? We have buckets that we pass. Some of you give in those buckets. It's an act of worship. Some of you give in the boxes back at the doors. You've got those boxes, some out in the hallway outside those, the outside door. Some give in there. Some mail in their tithe. That's how they bring it. They mail it. Some text to give. If that's a convenient way, I mean, it seems that way, and that's the way that you want to tithe, you could do it that way. Some give online. And, and this is probably one of the most efficient ways I think that you can give. This is the way that Cody and I are set up. It's reoccurring tithing. So every month it comes out at the same time. As soon as my paycheck hits, my tithe comes out. Every time. It's automatic. But every time we give, (laughs) we are still answering this question. Do we think that we are better off living on 100% without God? Or are we better off living on 90% with God? Easy to answer. Doesn't make it any easier sometimes. Sometimes it's tight, but we just know, we're not going to mess with it. We've been percentage givers even before we were married or knew each other. It's just something that is a lifestyle for us. Number four, the tithe can be eaten. It's kind of a weird way to say this. There's a story behind this. There's a story of this widow in 1 Kings chapter 17. The prophet Elijah was told by God, I want you to go and find this widow, this single mom, and I want you to test her. I want you to get her to feed you. Ask her for food. So he went to the area the Lord sent him to, found this lady, and he was kind of testing to see if this was the right lady. And he asked her if he could have a drink of water. She was out collecting sticks. 
And she said, of course. He says, oh, and by the way, can you also bring me some food? And the woman says, hey, I I swear to God, we have nothing. I have literally a handful of flour and some olive oil. I was gathering stick to make a fire. We were going to cook some bread, and that was going to be our last meal. And then me and my son, we're probably going to die. That's what we're going to do. And Elijah says this, I want you to feed me first. I want you to feed me first because if you'll feed me first, God will provide. You will have everything that you need to eat. You'll have it. I mean, this sounds kind of crazy to me. I mean, that's like you finding a homeless person on the street. You go up to him and say, I'll tell you what, buy me lunch. You buy me lunch. And then I'll get you lunch for the next week. That's a hard sell. (laughs) But this lady, because of the Holy Spirit, said, okay. She did it. She fed Elijah first. And then something supernatural happened. Because every day when she would check the jar, when she would check the oil, she always had the amount of food that she needed every day to eat. Here's the question. Did God send Elijah to this woman to provide for Elijah? Or did God send Elijah to the woman to provide for the woman? God didn't need the woman to provide for Elijah. Because just a few verses later, God's using ravens to bring Elijah a banquet every day. So he didn't need the woman. But the woman needed relationship with God. And when you are in your toughest place, in the toughest situation, it's the best place for you to have a total dependency on God. And that was the situation that God created. A total dependency on him. But she could have ate it. She could have been like, you crazy old man. No way. This may be all that we have, and this is all we have left, and we may die after this, but that's so be it. She trusted. She trusted. She said, okay, God, I'm going to give you a chance. And I think maybe that's what God's trying to stir in some of our hearts. God couldn't have moved unless she trusted him. And God only could move because she gave the tithe and didn't eat it. And didn't just use it for herself. I see so many people that never see the grace and the blessings of God because they just don't give him a chance to give them that grace. For it to truly be grace. In their moment of need. The church is meant to be holy. Heaven is holy. Jesus is holy. And being a faithful giver and tither is holy. It's sacred. It's one of the most intimate things we do in relationship with God. Let's not eat God's blessing for ourselves. Let's trust him and let him provide everything we need. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I start off by saying... The most important thing to God is that he has your heart. He has your heart. 
And I know that there might be some of you, a few of you here today, that you have never surrendered your heart to God in relationship. You've never made him your Lord and Savior. The tithing element even hasn't even really been a factor because you never started with believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, asking him to be your Lord. Or maybe you did, but you have been away from him and you feel distant from him, even though he's been pursuing you the whole time. But today, you're ready to rededicate your life to him, to come back to him. If you're one of those people, I want to give you a chance to respond to the greatest gift, the gift of salvation. If you're here today and you know you need a relationship with Jesus, nobody looking around, but if that's you, I want to know who I'm praying with. I want to agree with you in prayer and I'm going to ask you to be bold enough just to confess that that you just put your hand up right now. And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down, but I want to pray for you today, okay? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Got it, man. Thank you. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus today. Got it, buddy. Anybody else? I know I need him. I need to come back to him. I need to come to him for the first time. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, guys. God's going to honor that. His grace is meeting you right now, right where you're seated. Anybody else? right there where you're in your seat. At one point or another, I'd encourage you to go public with this decision. I encourage you to tell somebody as soon as the service is over, but right there, just talk to God, have an honest conversation with him. Just tell him, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I know my sin separates me from you, but right now I believe in faith. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for me, for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you that you didn't stay in the grave. You defeated my sin. You defeated death. Right now, God, I thank you that you're not just saving me, God, but I give you control. I want you to be my Lord. I want to live for you. I want to live according to your will, to your word. Help me, God, understand what that looks like. Help me understand your plan and purpose for my life. Lead me by your spirit. Help me understand your word. God, I want to be more connected in community with the body of Christ. Today, I commit my life to you. God, as a church, wherever we are in our growth, in discipleship, in our relationship with God, help us be a church that is fully committed. God, that we see the opportunity to give and we give that we're obedient with the tithe that we return it, God, so that your floodgates can be opened on us. And not just for our benefit, Lord, but so that we can reach souls for your kingdom. We thank you for the opportunity and the call that you've given us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you're thankful for God's word, let's give the Lord some praise in this place, amen.